Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. But as they are there, we have an incredible guest speaker with us this morning. I got to meet him last night, and let me tell you, I am so excited for you guys to hear what he's going to bring this morning. Pastor Gary Hansen with Convoy of Hope is here. Have you guys ever heard of Convoy of Hope? It's a pretty amazing, amazing missions organization. It's, when I got to kind of hear the sneak preview of it, I was kind of blown away. I honestly was. I was kind of, you know, we, you know, I've heard about them in the past, but hearing about everything you guys do and just all over the world, all over the U.S. I got excited. I got passionate about it. I'm not going to share about it this morning. Pastor Gary's going to do that, but he's going to be sharing about how our church has the opportunity to get connected, partnering with them, an opportunity this Easter season to really do something amazing, especially in Ukraine, because we hear about that every single day. But our church has an opportunity to do something amazing there, to bless these families, these kids. Just, it's just an amazing opportunity. So would you guys give Pastor Gary a huge Warehouse Church welcome this morning as he brings the word? Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, you guys are sizing me up, aren't you? Well, I'm sizing you up too. Good morning, church. I like that term, church, because that's who we are, amen? Welcome today on Palm Sunday. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, amen? And we have the promise that he's coming back. He's coming back to get us. Oh, I forgot to check. Do y'all believe that? Okay, just checking. You know, he's coming back, so everything's all right. You're in, I like one of the lines in the song that says that even in the middle of the storm, I have a peace that's just kind of why, and yet you do, amen? It's just there. So anyway, thank you for letting me come and mess up the church. Thank you for letting me share with you about Convoy of Hope. I hope that you are as blessed as I am. I, I asked last night, I asked the team, is there ever a time that your jaw doesn't hang open when you see what God is doing in your midst. You know, and I hope not. I, I met somebody one time and said, oh, no, I want the awe to disappear. I said, I don't. I want to be in awe of everything that God is doing. Now, I serve Convoy of Hope as the East Coast Church Relations Director. That means I get everything from Maine to Florida and all those churches, and there's a bunch of them in there. Okay, so I get everything from the New England uh, uniqueness of U- New England to the deep south in Georgia, and it's great to be here in the east coast of Texas. I have no idea why I'm in Texas. It's my first time in Texas. It's like, what do you say, yeehaw or something, you know? I, I was, back in my ministry days, I, I was, uh, I've pastored my whole life. I don't know anything other than the church. Um, I, I don't ever remember backsliding. I, I, I need a sign that identifies Myrie Clay. Okay, because he lifted me up out of miry clay, but, you know, somebody told me what miry clay was. Okay, that's pretty much my life, and I think that's a pretty awesome testimony because I don't know what drugs are. I don't know. Well, I did smoke once. Who knew that when you're 12, your mom would know a cigarette was missing from the pack? <laughs> Anybody here ever smoke? Okay, quick confession. Anybody smoke? Anybody ever? So you're right. You know everything in there, right? And there's even 20 matches in a book of matches. Who knew that? And so that one cigarette I had when I was 12, I got punished pretty heavy for because I didn't know any of that. 
And so I testify to the goodness of God, his faithfulness. He, you're all just saying he, he won't fail us, you know, he, he won't let us down. And that's the cool story. Growing up, my mom, every Christmas, would, would, would we'd gather in the dining room and we'd open up our presents for Christmas. And she would take this steno pad. And, you know, she'd flip it open and then she'd cross her legs and she had an ink pen and she had this on her lap. And this is my childhood memory. And when we would open up a Christmas present, she would put our name in column one, column two, who gave the present and column three would be what the present was. And we went around the room. How many of you here now when you open up Christmas presents, you're done in about 42 seconds? How many of you wish you could go slower? You need to meet my mom. And so she would do that for all the kids, and, and, and we would have to do that. And if we had family there, they too would be on the list. And at the end of that, she would rip off the piece of paper, and she would hand it to us. And she'd say, before you go play with your toys or try on your clothes, you need to go upstairs and write your thank you notes. And I'd stomp around and say, oh, Mom, I want to so badly try on my clothes no kid ever said. And, uh, but we would do that because in our stocking, which was hung by, I always thought stockings were hung by the chimney with care. But I've discovered as an adult that it's just so you could stay out of your mom and dad's hair for a couple more hours. But we'd have that package of thank you cards. I grew up with that. That was pounded into me. And now I look here in, in, in the ministry that I do, I have the neatest job in the world. Because my job now is simply running all over the country to say one thing, and that's to say thank you, church. To come to Warehouse and say thank you for partnering with Convoy of Hope. Thank you for being part of what you're about to see. Okay, and, and next week you're going to receive an offering. I, we call it all sorts of things. We call it our one day to feed the world offering. We challenge churches to, to take one day's wage and give it to the poor. You know, when I pastored, somebody said, well, how do you know what one day's wage is? I said, well, you take your annual salary. Marianne, write this down. Take your annual salary and you divide it by two and you write that check. I said, who in the world? I know. Who in the world ever asks a pastor how much you're supposed to give, right? I don't know how you figure it out. Some people take 240 days and subtract their vacation, and then they take that divided in the annual salary, and 240 days equals one day's wage. Some people take seven days. Well, Pastor Gary, does that include seven days or five days? What do you do with vacation? What if you have time off? Or do you include your PTO? I don't know. You're giving to the poor. There's a scripture verse that says that he who, who, who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and he'll repay that verse is all you need, and you're going to do that next week, and you're going to be giving into some of the things that you see. And so I'm here to say thank you. You know, I love your pastor. I met your pastor a couple years ago. You are, are so blessed to have a serious, a serious, dedicated, subdued, quiet, um, demure, demure. That, that, that demure describes Pastor Ed, doesn't it? I love that guy. He's got so much energy. And, uh, you know, I, I was looking forward to him being here, but gosh, grandkids, why did he ever leave for that? But you have a wonderful church, so thank you for what you do. And I want to introduce Convoy by this video. I have a couple for you today, but watch this one. We're really all about kindness, and this will show you what we do.
You know, to live in the arena of kindness is an incredible place to live. Because when you start living in an arena of kindness, you start bringing hope to people. Hope's being able to see that, that there's light despite all the darkness around you. You know, I, I've said in the, when Jesus was, uh, when the disciples were in a storm and Peter walked on water, and, and I learned a lesson somewhere in the course of my life that when there's a storm going on around you and you don't see Jesus there, look around. Because I am, I am assured of this, that he's there. You just, if you can't see him, look for him. Because I promise you he's there. You just may be overwhelmed, can't find him, but he's there. There's never a night and there's never a problem that could defeat a sunrise or a hope. I like that quote. And then here's one that I want you to, that, that I want you to live by today because you're going to see some things that are going to live this way. Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. By show of hands, how many of you have ever been hurt? Okay, put your hand down. How many of you have ever been hurt by the church? Been hurt by another Christian. Okay, good. We're all in the same boat. Okay, you kind of just sit there and done this all morning, right? That's who we are. And there's no problem with that, but it's our hopes for the future that, that shape all of this. And I've learned that in the arena that we run in, we, we feed the hungry of the world. We, we are involved in, in the feeding initiatives around the world. We're in 29 countries with our programs that we bring. We're involved in disaster relief, and we do community events here in the United States into our inner cities. But there's something that happens that I always look for. There's something that when you come to a person and they have a need or they're desperate or they have no hope and you provide that hope, whether it be handing them a box of food or handing them a $10 bill or however you do your local ministries, when you meet that need, there is a look that comes upon their face when that need is met. Okay, that's the look that I live for because you see this hope come into their face for the first time in a long time. Convoy of Hope has this unstoppable drive to chase away the darkness of hunger. Our CEO has a, has a phrase he uses, why can't we change the world by feeding them? You know, he has in his background a, a story where he had to interview Mother Teresa. He was writing a book for a missionary. And Mother Teresa stops in the middle of the interview and points that big bony finger of hers right at Hal Donaldson, our CEO, and says, what are you doing, young man, to help the poor? When Mother Teresa points at you and asks what you're doing to help the poor, your life changes. Out of all of that and Hal's story comes Convoy of Hope, a 29-year-old ministry that started uh, back in Missouri a long time ago. I remember when the first truck that Convoy of Hope had rolled out, I was in that meeting as a pastor. And I look at where we are now and what we're doing. There, I, I get to show you a series of numbers on a slide behind me. This tells you what we're doing. This is all the numbers that are represented by people. Um, Nick mentioned Ukraine. We've moved into the Ukraine. Uh, we're in nine countries around the Ukraine. We've set up and established stations. We've rented a warehouse. We've leased a 300,000 square foot warehouse in Poland. And we hired the refugees to clean it and to get it ready. And they bring in, you'll see videos online. I, I've shared them all with you. So they'll be in all of your media presentations for next week. And it's one of those things where they come in and we, and we are buying everything we can get out of Western Europe. We're shipping over. We've partnered with Delta and Virgin Airlines. I like Virgin Airlines because Richard Branson's not a believer. 
And I would love to see Richard Branson, who's a declared atheist, come to know Jesus Christ because he's working with the Convoy of Hope, feeding the hungry of the world. We're going to mess that boy up. And, uh, but he's volunteered to ship all the containers that we're sending over there. A container costs about $20,000. And we'll reach out. We're, we're well over a million people that we've touched in meals already so far. So we're working out of there. And then unmarked trucks come into the warehouse. They get the food. And then they head back into the Ukraine. And there are churches that are there feeding and distributing that food. Convoy of Hope is a $480 million organization with all of its gifts in kind and partnerships and donations. And it's real easy to get lost in something that big until you realize that at the other end of the chain, there is somebody that's stirring a pot of food, taking a ladle of soup and putting it into a cup held by somebody in the Ukraine who gets no food anywhere because they've lost everything. That's how detailed the church works. Convoy of Hope does nothing outside the local church. We work with the local church in the Ukraine. One person put it this way. Well, you talk about finding a silver lining in a cloud. The Ukraine is the most evangelized nation in the world. About 80% of its population claims to be Christian, which is huge. Poland is one of the least evangelized nations in the world. And these people said God has orchestrated over 4 million missionaries to leave the Ukraine and to go into Poland and witness to Poland. That's a silver lining in a, in a war. And yet they rejoice in something like that. I think of the things that Convoy is involved in. I think of the hope that comes into the eyes of 465,241 children on a daily basis. We feed, we give clean water, and we educate. Those three things bring to that child hope. Somebody said the other day that we've taught them a new word, that in feeding them and educating them and, and, and preparing their minds, they can start to dream again. And the new word that they learned is one called tomorrow. And for the first time in their life, they get to think that tomorrow there may be something. They've gone from food insecurity to food security. And you realize they can now start to dream. I know one pastor that runs an orphanage in orphanage and school in Haiti, and his goal is to raise up those eight- and nine-year-olds so that they'll be incorruptible, so that they can move into the Haitian government and change the nation by being incorruptible. That's a long-range plan. And I've known him for eight years doing that, and he's getting there. Those kids are growing up strong in Jesus Christ. So there's hope in the eyes of 465,000 kids. There's one young lady in Ethiopia. We just dug a well there about six months ago, and, and one of our team members hears this comment. She was not aware that water was clear. She thought water was brown. And so when the well was dug, and I know it is one of those things that just makes you go, wow, who knew? You know, this morning when you turned your water on to get ready for making coffee or you turned your water on to take a shower, is there anybody in this room that went, whoa, water came out when I turned this? Anybody at all do that? Nah, we don't do that anymore. Sorry, I got a little excited. Sorry, I forgot. I want to. You know, every once in a while as a reminder, I'll fill my coffee pot and I'll pour the water in a container and I'll just watch it. Because I want to constantly be amazed that we in America have water when we turn that faucet on. This girl said, water's clear? 
And she was amazed by that. So there's hope. There's hope in the heart of 34,000 women and children, women and young ladies last year alone that went through our women's empowerment program. Women's empowerment program, the Convoy Women, have established around the world, we'll take a, a lady through a, 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 a program that will teach her how to do a business. I'm not talking about IBM or a corporation. I'm talking about how to raise chickens or raise goats or to grow herbs or, or to sell eggs or to do something like this or sell material. Then we give them a, 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 not a micro loan, but we just simply spot them five or $600 to launch their business. And then out of that, they support their own family. Now think third world. Don't think America, but think third world where they don't know where their next meal is coming from. And they can grow these vegetables and sell them. The young ladies that we see, you see a good example of in Afghanistan. That when the, uh, the, the, no, the noise of last year, the women went backwards because they had started to come out of that. But we're teaching self-worth to the young ladies saying, you are worth something. They live in a world where it's either human trafficking or death. And we're changing that. We're not involved directly in human trafficking. But if we can elevate the worth of a young lady, she doesn't lean that way, but instead learns and grows and is valued in Christ. And we're seeing last year 34,000 women went through that. We praise the Lord for that. 23,000 farmers last year went through our program. We have an agronomist that is teaching the, like Haiti is getting ready to export a crop. Whenever you watch Chopped and you see dragon fruit come on the show Chopped, I get excited because that's Nicaragua and that's Convoy of Hope's program as we've taught the farmers to export dragon fruit. Anybody ever had dragon fruit? Yeah, why? It's pretty, but we've convinced the world they need it, and so now we're exporting it out of Nicaragua. And so they work on all of that. You know, there's a phrase I use, we want to feed your kids. We really do, but we don't want to feed your grandkids. And so we're teaching the farmers how to sustain a crop. We're teaching the ladies how to run a business. Nepal is a good example. In 2015, after the earthquake of Nepal, we went in, we discovered that there's a whole world of kids that we're not eating. So we brought about 15,000 kids into our feeding initiative and started to feed them. We noticed that the hills, the earthquake had just destroyed the nation. And so we started to rebuild, and we taught the farmers how to grow tea. Uh, one farmer in an interview said that he had been making somewhere, the, the village had made somewhere around $4,000 a year before. But they came through this rotation as we taught them what to do, and they made $150,000 for that village. They're sustaining themselves by growing tea. My favorite one is the ladies. The ladies re- raise goats. I can tell this story? Okay. All right, y'all are much smarter than I am, but I heard this story roll out at Convoy about three years ago. And what we're doing with the ladies there is we're teaching them how to raise goats. And you go through the program and you get two female goats. And that's what we give you, and, and then you start your business. And in the contract, you have to give the first goat of the trip. That's what you call a whole bunch of other goats. When you get a bunch of goats and you get, it's called a trip or a tribe. For all you church people, if you want to know what a group of buzzards is called, it's called a committee. But we won't go there. But a trip is these goats. And, and so in the first generation, you have to give the first female goat back to convoy in order to sustain the program. And I thought, that's really cool. So I'm in the meeting. I raise my hand because I'm thinking I'm going to ask a question everybody in the room wants to ask. Two female goats. 
I realize it's 2022 and there's like 500 genders and 18 different, you know, I don't, I got lost in all of that. You know, I, I'm disappointed in my sixth grade health teacher when I was a kid because he was evidently really wrong and uh, I don't get it now. So I said, where does that female goat come from? And then I went for the joke. I thought, okay, I'm going to announce that to the whole group. It's a, you know, it's a corporate meeting and I'm the, so I said, Where's, evidently there's some happy billy goat walking around the village going, woo! You know what the answer is? There's a happy billy goat walking around the village yelling yoo-hoo whenever he wants. And, and I listened to the agronomist go into the weeds on the explanation about how you can go for three generations before that that, that group of goats need, needs another breeder and breeder goat and billy goat and all this. I got lost in all that because my joke didn't work anymore. And then after three generations, that goat goes home to be with Jesus with a smile on his face or something, but just happy as a lark. He goes home to be with Jesus. They had that all worked out. And from that, the program is working. And so about six months ago, we left that village, went to another village to do it again. The government has seen what we're doing, and it's now being instituted in almost 23 villages in Nepal. And I'm thinking, you know what, through the women's empowerment and the agriculture and the feeding initiative, we can change the world. And there's hope that comes. You, you know of us a lot because of the disaster relief. 23 domestic responses last year that we were involved in. We're still in Harvey, by the way. The media has left. Y'all probably forgot about Harvey. But we're still there. Churches are rebuilding. Churches are standing back up. And we're still helping in that. 43 international responses last year, including the earthquake in Haiti that took 2,200 lives and, and destroyed the area that it hit about 40 miles outside of Port-au-Prince. Ida hit here, Louisiana, back last August. The Philippines, California wildfires. Texas, we're showing up a little too often. You get a lot of stuff down on the coast. So we're here a lot. And uh, so we thank God for everything that's being done there. We're in 29 program countries. And we've done, last year we did 80 community events. I was just meeting Pastor Ed. And so I've offered to him some of the trucks that come in that you can do your giveaways locally. The community events where we reach into the inner city and help. We just reach out with food and services, and you have an incredible day of ministry. And I've talked to Marianne a little bit about it. I've talked to the team here a little bit about it. Um, since 1994, we've had 193 million people that we have served in Convoy of Hope. And we praise God for that. How many of you here ever watch the news? I'm going to push back on something. Depending on what side of the news you watch, tells you who you do like and you don't like. You know, Fox doesn't like CNN, CNN doesn't CNN like anybody. But, you know, you just kind of, you, you get the feeling Americans don't like each other, right? If you watch the news, you don't think we like each other. And I'm here to tell you that we do. <clears throat> 163,000 volunteers have worked with Convoy since we started. In disaster relief, people show up. When we, we, and during COVID, we did 200 million meals during COVID with 4,000 semi-trucks. A semi-truck would show up on a parking lot and 150 people from a church would unload it with a fork truck and they'd pack it. They'd put it in grocery bags. And on a Saturday, the line would be two or three miles long of cars wanting supplies. We did that over and over and over. And I want to tell you that America does like each other. We step up and we help. And the church looks good 
in times of hardship. We don't run, we run to it. You know, we look good during COVID. We stepped up and helped. And I praise God for that. So I want to push back on that. That's kind of what Convoy does. That's what you see in these slides. Those are our numbers. If you would, for just a couple minutes, I don't, I have a, I have to be done by quarter after two, they told me. <laughs> Let me, if I could, couch this in the word real quick. We're heading into Easter next week. And after Easter, there was a, a story that occurred on the road to Emmaus. These two guys were walking along, and they were, I think they were downcast. I think they had their hand in their pocket. Nobody likes to look at a dude when he's been crying. And they were hurting from Jesus, you know. I love the fact. I mean, I hear think Jesus has a sense of humor. I think so. There, Charles Spurgeon says that humor has no place in the church, and you know he shouldn't. You, no, nothing's funny. But in the story, they're walking along, they're downcast, and Jesus comes up and says, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And Cleopas looks over at him and says, "Man, where you been? Haven't you heard what's happened in the last three days?" Holy cow, where have you been? And Jesus says, I think the funniest thing in Scripture. He says, what things? I think that's so funny. I've been watching The Chosen, the guy in Chosen for Jesus. He would say something like that. Hey, what are you talking about? And Cleopas goes on to, to tell this story about what's happened in the last couple of days. And do you think Jesus was actively listening? And so anyway... They took him. They put him on a cross, put a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus probably went, what? <gasps> no way. Yeah, and then listen. Jesus actively listening to what happened to him. Okay, I, I could just see him just kind of, you know, tugging on the cape a little bit. And I think it's kind of funny. And then he gets all done and he gets serious and he teaches them that they should have known all of this. But I want to come to just a phrase I want to leave you with when it comes to what we do at Convoy. He kind of, the Bible says he was walking along as if he were going somewhere else and waiting to get a dinner invitation. You know, if you read the word technically, as if he were going somewhere. And then these guys went, hey, you guys want to stay for dinner? Oh, yeah, sure, great idea. So he stays for dinner, and here's where we pick it up. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. Okay, this is where y'all can help me. I put down your, put down your Bibles and your Facebook and everything. Just a minute. I want everybody to take a piece of bread in front of them. Okay, this is, everybody got to participate in this. It's just a routine. You're going to break bread here in just a second. All right, you got it. Hold on a second. I need to evaluate your expertise. Okay, put your hand down in front of you. You got a loaf of bread. And the Bible says Jesus took the bread and he broke it. Break the bread. Okay, do it again. This whole row, do it. Man, you've got like a little roll. You're like, you got a, like a little dinner roll. In your head, you got a dinner roll, don't you? Somebody over here has a French baguette. Somebody's breaking a baguette. Yeah, yeah, you're breaking a baguette. And then who, who's doing a Hawaiian loaf? Anybody do the, got a Hawaiian loaf in your head? Anybody got matzah? Anybody brushed their leg off? Because you broke it and you got crumbs? I was in Jersey, and I did this, and the guy sat right here, and he broke the bread. And we broke the bread. He had a baguette. He's a baguette guy. You're like a dinner roll. Think bigger, okay? It's Jesus, man. Think bigger. I don't mean to single you out, but I'm singling you out. For everybody on Facebook, it's the lady right here. And every time he broke the bread, he did this. 
He'd do what you did, and I, you know, I checked a few people out. Were there. He kept doing this. I stopped, and I didn't, again, didn't mean to single him out, but he's doing this. Sir, what are you doing? He goes, hey, you break bread, North Jersey. You break bread, you got to have a little marinara on that baby. <laughs> Every time he broke bread, he dipped it in marinara sauce in his head. I thought that was funny. You know, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and they disappeared from their sight. In the original Greek, that Greek word is, okay? Because he did that all the time. And after the resurrection, he seemed to disappear. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened up the scripture to us? But it wasn't until he broke the bread that they recognized him. In the feeding of the bread, why can't we change the world by feeding them? You see, I stand up here week after week in churches and whoever will listen to me, and I'll do everything I can because my driving desire is to take your hearts and turn it to the poor and the impoverished of the world so that the hearts of the poor and the impoverished can be turned to Jesus Christ. That's what I strive for. And in the breaking of the bread, and I thought that's kind of unusual because why wouldn't they have known him? Why didn't they know him on the road? I mean, they heard his voice. They saw him. They talked to him. They've heard him speak before. But then again, it's strange that they knew him in this way. He broke the bread and they knew him. I think that's an astounding source of revelation. Something happened when they broke the bread. They went, aha, you're the Lord. What was it? What was it? Because you take a look at him, you know, more vivid than his countenance. They were looking right at Jesus. And they didn't recognize him, but he broke the bread. And they recognized him. But then I looked at the flip side of that coin. I thought maybe it wasn't so strange. How often had they seen him break bread? Jesus had distinguished himself as a hearty and even a controversial eater. The Pharisees called him a glutton. You know, he seemed to always do something wrong around food. The religious elite didn't like him. And whenever he's doing something that had to do with food, they got mad at him. You remember when he stripped the stalk of wheat walking along on the Sabbath and he munching on wheat? I don't know if you ever did this when you're growing up playing baseball and you got bored in left field. You'd eat the wheat that was out in the field and that kind of stuff. And then he'd pass it on to the disciples. Hey, if you're going to sin, get other people to sin with you. Okay, that was that Sabbath story, and the Pharisees and the scribes had a cow, and they just kind of freaked out over that, and, but, but he did it, okay? He chose a feast rather than a, than, a, than a somber ritual. He said, hey, don't fast now, I'm here. Let's party now, fast later. You know, I'm here with you. That was the hallmark of his ministry. Jesus liked to eat. In fact, he liked the meal so well when he got done teaching the 5,000 men plus women and children somewhere in the ballpark of 15 or 20,000 people. He looked at Andrew and again, jerking Andrew's chain. This is what the word says. He looked at Andrew and says, how are we going to feed all these people? Although he knew all along what he was going to do. That tells you he's just jerking Andrew's chain. He's just that. He's messing with Andrew. And he starts to feed him, gets them all together, says, what are we going to do? Well, we got a kid with a happy meal. All right, good enough. What's the toy? Jesus didn't ask that, really. But he got, the, he got the happy meal, and he gave it to the disciples. Now, I immerse myself in these stories. 
So the disciples get their portion and they're all lined up and you're going to feed about 20,000 people and they got their little pack right here and they got the bread in it and they start handing it to the people. Okay, because they got to feed all the people. Fish for you, bread for you, bread for you, fish for you. Do you ever wonder when it dawned on the disciples that they should have run out of bread? I'm up to 490 people on that one fish. And then he probably looked in the bag. And then you can fill in your exclamation or whatever you want to say. You ever put yourself in a story that way? And from about then on, it was so cool because they're just handing food out to everybody. Jesus was having a great time feeding all those people that day. He liked a good meal. I, I get a kick out of this one when the rapture of the church occurs. Okay? And we go up to be with the Lord. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall go up with him. Shall we be caught up in, shall we be so caught up with him in the air? And we go on. Where are we going? Yes. Even God knows you can't get us there unless you give us coffee and donuts in the foyer. Right? He's got to feed us. There's something about food that, that God loves. I think it's something about breaking of the bread. At the Passover on the last night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. There was something about it. And I see that Christ, Christ is revealed in the breaking of the bread. Why can't we change the world by feeding them? Why can't we bring in 465,000 children into a feeding rolls? Our goal is to have half a million by 2025. We thought last year that was a lofty goal. That goal we're going to blow through. Our goal is 1 million by the year 2030. I'm kind of thinking it's going to be 1 million by 2025. Because something is happening in the kingdom. God is doing some great things. And, and Christ is known in the hands that break the bread. Church, this is a challenge to you. You're going to give next week. You're going to give to feed people in the Ukraine, to feed around the world, to feed in 29 countries, and you'll never meet any of them. Of the 465,241 children, I have two favorites. Downson and Philippe are my favorite kids. They're in Haiti. I've got their pictures taken for the last six years as I'm watching them grow up. I like those two kids. I go down and I poke at them. They poke at me. I come back with irritable hair follicle syndrome. It's my own disease. Anybody ever been on a mission field? Marianne, you pick a kid up. Well, they don't do this to you, but for the guys, they start pulling the hair on your arms. The longer you hold them, because they don't have any, and so they're pulling their, and for ladies, they'll run their fingers through your hair, don't they? Lice and dirt and grubs and, ooh, I love it. Okay, you come home with all that stuff, but you rejoice because you went down and helped. Okay, you're moved with compassion, you know. And I th and I think if a brother, the word says, if a brother or sister is ill-clad, and in lack of daily food, and any one of you says, "Go and be filled," without giving them the things that they need for the body, what does it profit? What good does it do to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ but not feed them? They're hungry. So we feed them, which opens the door to the gospel. You know, you're the church. Christ does not have a physical body anymore except us. 
So when he calls for the feeding of the hungry, he calls us to do it. When he calls for, hey, I will be there. That which you do to the least of these, you do unto me. So in Ukraine, that which we do to those people that are in Ukraine, we're doing it unto him. And there's mercy and there's blessing in that. That coin can be flipped over. Because Jesus also said that which you do not do to the least of these, you don't do it unto me. And there's judgment in that. Amen? We don't like that part of the coin. We like the other side better. But there's an obligation on our part. So he's known in the hands. He's known in the eyes of those that you give the food to. But then I realize that Jesus Christ is the bread itself. He's the one we're sharing. He's the one we're telling about. He's the one that we're, you know, we don't feed just to feed. We don't feed because we're doing something good. We feed others because we ourselves have been fed. That's what drives us at Convoy. I've got one last video that I'll show you, and then I'm going to close. But this video is one that we will show you the, 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 the pillars that we're involved in, the agriculture, the women's empowerment, the feeding initiative, the disaster relief, the community events. Those are the areas that Convoy operates in. But it's going to show you the heartbeat of what we do around the world. This one's entitled The Hope That Sets the Table. You see, Warehouse Church, I get to come back. It's been a while since I said thank you. But thank you for what you're going to do next week. I love that video because those are not... Baraka is in that video. He's the one that's digging up the dirt. And Baraka is the only young man that's in the Women's Empowerment Program. Because his mother was in the, was in the program and she was killed in a biking accident in the town. 
So Baraka stepped in, kept his grades all at the straight A level, went through the program and now takes care of his family. The lady at the end, Esther, that's a Maasai lady that's learned how to do beadwork. She does incredible beadwork. And she lays it out in front of a hut and her husband had left her uh, four concrete walls in the middle of nowhere with her children. He just walks away. She comes into the program and learns how to do this beadwork, which she was very good at. You saw some of you you've forgotten, but if you watch it again, that beadwork is hers. And she's learned how to take that, learn how to launch the business, has engaged other ladies to help her. And she's taking care of a group of people in her world. It's working. Selma is in that. She went through the program. She's the one that, that raised the garden and pulled down the tomatoes from above her. That's Selma. You saw the hills of Nepal, that big rolling hill. That's the tea that they're growing in Nepal. So I watched that video in their home movies to me. Folks, I believe we can change the world by feeding them. And so next week, I don't know, I don't know how Pastor Ed has couched it. We, we call it one day to feed the world. You take a day's wage or you give whatever you can give. You can support a child at feedone.com. You can look, go to convoyofhope.org and just watch video after video and join us in crying over what you see. There's such cool things because we know these people and we're changing the world. And it's because churches partner with us. And we get the job done. And before I give it back to Nick, I want to just take a moment. Would you let me pray with you and over you today? Father, it is a blessing for me to stand in front of this body of believers today. Lord God, I thank you for Pastor Ed. I thank you, Lord, for his leadership, for his heart that's driven for you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you're taking Grandpa today and just giving him a lot of fun and laughter and I can just picture Ed in that room, Lord God, and the, and the laughter and the joy that's in that room today. So bless him, Lord God, wherever he is. Bless him, Lord, as he celebrates with family. And bless him, Lord, as he gets old because now he's Papa over and over and over. Lord, just thank you for Ed. But Lord, I pray for this congregation today, Lord. I, I pray that next week, Lord God, when they step in and they, they just give to help people that they will never know, that, Lord God, it'll be a generous offering. It'll be one that'll change the world in the lives that they touch. Thank you, Lord God, for letting all of us be part of the process. Lord God, I pray a fresh anointing upon this church. I pray that Warehouse Church, Lord God, would be a beacon in the area that you have planted them here in Plano. And that, Lord God, you'll touch and use this body. That, God, every need that's in this room today, Lord God, would be met in the power of Jesus Christ. For that one that's in the middle of a storm today and feels alone, I pray, Lord God, that you'll reveal yourself to them. And that they'll know that you're there, that they, do, they don't walk it alone. Lord God, I just thank you for a church, Lord God, that's reaching the world in which they've been planted in. And so I pray over them. I pray that blessing. I pray that anointing that, Lord God, you'll use them. Use them, Lord God, to change this area. Grow this church, Lord God, that others will know the peace and the joy that's in this body. Lord God, Warehouse Church has the answer for so many people that are hurting. I pray, Father God, that you'll connect the two in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, when we look at the world, I pray this prayer as I've prayed every day of my life for the last few years. Church, feel free to echo this prayer if you would. Just pray, Father, break my heart. Break my heart today, Lord God, which that which breaks yours. Lord Jesus, let that be my prayer, I pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. 
Amen. Thank you, church, for letting me share with you. Thank you for the time today. God bless you.